Twizzler. It's not licorice. It doesn't taste anything like licorice. If it did, I wouldn't eat it. I'm not a licorice fan. Gosh, that's loud. <laughs> Does it say that it's licorice? No. That's what I was looking for. Told you. We always called it licorice growing up. Swizzlers are so good. They're so addicting. It says that it's uh, 150 calories per serving. And the serving size is four pieces. Gotcha. So I probably had like a thousand calories worth of <laughs> Twizzlers before I went to bed last night. Yeah, I probably had like a thousand calories last night and today already. Just eating this yeah. entire bag. So good. So yeah. So talk to me. What's up? Nothing much. Kids are sick again. Yeah, no. Well, I don't know if they're like sick or if. I don't know. They haven't had like fevers or anything. And I mean, Josie hasn't seemed to really feel that bad. It's just like congestion and runny noses. And yeah. I'll and bet all, it was that kid at the rally for life. And Ollie's just like super congested, like super dramatic about his boogers. Yep. Well, about his stuffy nose. Yeah. Yeah, his well, his, his nose, his nose and his eyes are just constantly dripping. Well, yesterday they were. They haven't yeah. been today. Oh, his nose was runny still, not as bad as yesterday, but his eyes weren't dripping today. Well, that's good. And he had a ton of energy today that he didn't have yesterday. So that's good. He was just like running around the house screaming all afternoon. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, I guess he just got in a bad mood when I got home. Well, he was tired by the time you got home. Yeah, there you go. Because he didn't get a nap because he was super energized all afternoon. Gotcha. Yeah. He was just really tired. But, yeah, so how was your day? It was good. Yeah, I uh, took care of the kids in the morning. And yeah, that was so cool. I could go to Bible study. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Sure. And then work was good. I met with some um, AV contract or installers, and we talked about some upgrades that we could do in the main auditorium, which is pretty cool. And yeah, we talked for quite a while about some ideas we had and and how to implement them and uh, kind of their take on it as well and what they would suggest. So that was a lot of fun brainstorming and then coming back and kind of getting a better picture of like what we actually want to do. Um, So kind of going back and forth on some options. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And then, I mean, getting other small miscellaneous stuff done as well. But that was kind of the big thing of today. And it was good. It's good progress. Things are happening. (laughs) It's awesome. It's all happening. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we may actually be going to HT at the church, which is pretty cool. Yep. (laughs) Yay, small talk. Mm -hmm. So we went to the, yeah, the Walk for Life this weekend. Yeah, the Texas Texas Rally for Life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rally for Life, yeah. Yeah, why was it a week after the one in D.C.? It always is. Is it? Uh-huh. Oh. Why? I don't know. Oh. Or maybe it's just that it's always like the last weekend in January usually. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I was just curious because I had heard stuff about the March for Life in D.C. But yeah, it was the week before. Well, so the March for Life in D.C. Strange. is always on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. Okay. But, um, which the day changes every year. Um, yeah. But the Texas Rally for Life is always on a Saturday. So it's not always on 
the anniversary. Okay. Okay. It's just always Saturday. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Yep. That was it fun. Was, it was fun. Yeah, it's the first time that we've had kids who actually run around and play with the other kids. Yeah. <laughs> so Ollie fun. had a lot of fun. Yeah. Running around Capitol grounds. Yeah. He, got, he learned how to roll down hills. He was mm-hmm. a little like hesitant at first. He was just like, what? What is this? Why, why are you doing? Why am I laying down in the grass <laughs> and the leaves? And then after pushing him, he was like, he's, he loved it. So he would do it himself. And of course, like he didn't have the proper technique. So he would always kind of just roll to the side eventually. You know, he'd like hook around. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't go straight down the hill. He'd kind of hook around because like one side of his body would roll faster than the other. And so. Um, but it was funny. It was funny because he was doing what he was doing and it was actually probably a lot safer that way because yeah. it was a pretty big hill. <laughs> uh, and he's only two. And there were a lot of kids. And there were lots of kids. So that was, yeah, that was fun seeing him just interact. <laughs> he was a punk to a few of the kids. Well, not a punk, but he just wasn't, he just, he doesn't like sharing. <laughs> That's all that it is. <laughs> so like if other kids wanted to play with toys that he was playing with, he was like, no, it's mine. I'm just like, ah, kid, you got to learn, got to learn. And eventually he did. He was playing catch with another kid, sort of. They would throw the football back and forth to each other. Yeah. Um, they didn't ever actually catch it. But <laughs> that's okay because, once again, he's two. Another kid was three. Yeah, Nathaniel. Shout out to Nate Dog. <laughs> He told me, he came up to me and he said, he's not two anymore, he's three. <laughs> so he must have had a birthday soon. Uh, recently. Soon? Yeah. Recently. So That's cute. Yeah, it was It was super cute. And then I talked to this dad for a while. He's one of, uh, excuse me, the Nathaniel is one of nine kids, which I'm just like, That's oh so awesome. my gosh. Yeah. And he was like the homeschool group that he came with. He was actually from West Texas? Yeah. Yeah, West Texas. And the homeschool group that he came with, he said that that was like the average amount of kids that the families have. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, we're here with two. And it feels like a handful. Of course, he he did say like two, uh, three of them are grown and two of them are married. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So it's not like all young children. Like in my mind right now, kids means young children because I only have young children. <laughs> So nine of those just sounds like a run in a circus, but it makes sense. I don't know. That's just crazy. That's a lot of stinking kids. Yeah. Large families are amazing. I love it. Yeah. Well, I thought I came from a large family, one of five, but uh, one of nine where you're all homeschooled. Well, no, actually they weren't all. Anyways, anyways, doesn't matter. That's a big family. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Talked about outbreeding other people. <laughs> Nine <laughs> kids. Whew. And he didn't even own a farm. <laughs> okay. What? Farmers have lots of kids because they need ranch hands. Yeah. But nowadays you don't need that because your children don't usually go into the same profession that you do. Well, I mean, I guess they do sometimes, but it's just different. Now we send them off to state-run schools. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> to do what they feel they should do with their lives. That wasn't derogatory. They are state-run. Yeah, I know. Anyways. <laughs> okay. The small talk. How about this for small talk? The reformed internet world is a in a tizzy over a recent tweet from John Piper about um, starting fights, women, not that women shouldn't be seminary professors. I think that's what it was about. Hmm. Well, that's fun. Which uh, I disagree with. Wait, disagree with what? 
the thought that women shouldn't be seminary professors. Okay. You disagree that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with women being seminary professors. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Women so can what teach exactly, the Bible. <laughs> what exactly did John Piper say? Oh, I'm not sure what the exact... I don't have a Twitter account. I don't know what the exact No, you don't need was. an account to see it. Okay, so you are working off of secondhand information, right? I'm, wanna... I'm working off of um, a lot of posts about it in different reform groups that I'm in. So multiple pieces of secondhand information. You have not gone to the well, source. Well, they, they posted the article. I just didn't read it. I read the okay. I read the I read the title of his article. Okay. Okay. But once again, you are going I'm I'm just asking. I'm not like Right. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying you haven't read what he's yeah. written on the and subject. And then podcasts that I listen to have yeah. talked about it as well. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So what well, no, I was going to ask what he said, but if you haven't actually read what he said. Because John Piper generally explains what he means when he says things. Right. So what was his explanation? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like I told you, I gotcha. didn't, I don't, I don't have a Twitter. I didn't see that. Well, tweet. right. I'm sorry. You brought it up. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> So I don't, yeah, know, just because I don't know what we have to talk about. The internet reformed world is in a tizzy over it. Gotcha. But you don't know what it is exactly. You just know the title. Well, I know what it was about. I don't know exactly what he said. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say because I don't know what he had to say about it. It's difficult to talk about it if I don't know what he had to say. Hmm. What do you think about that? About female seminary professors? Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's not a church office. It does not have, um, or excuse me, I say a church office. It's not a pastoral office. Right. Because women can hold church offices. You know, if you want to be like strictly biblical and say like only church offices are only like specific titles that the Bible gives, well, okay, well then you might have an issue with what I just said, but whatever. Um, I, I just mean like, yes, women cannot be pastors. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Or elders. Yeah. Yeah. Or elders. Yes. Um, but I think inherent to that is spiritual authority over people right. over men um and a seminary professor does not have spiritual authority over their students right you know i've i'm i'm in bible college and i've had a couple female professors already and they've been great <laughs> from my limited experience they've been more lenient <laughs> <laughs> um and more encouraging uh, but anyways, uh, sorry, anecdotal. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with it, but again, like I don't have his argument, so I don't know what he's, he would say is wrong with it. It's hard to, it's hard to say, but in general, yeah, that's fine. I mean, there are tons of smart women out there. Yeah. <laughs> like we went and, um, what was it? The, um, say Christless Christianity. That's not what it was. It was the conference that we went to with Mike Horton, Core Christianity. Oh, yeah. And it was Mike Horton and what was Nancy Guthrie. Nancy Guthrie. There you mm -hmm. go. And she was awesome. Yeah. When she was speaking. Um, and like she was. Taught on the Bible. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong she with that. She wasn't exercising any spiritual authority over anyone. Right. Even though she was speaking at a church. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but it was like a Saturday. Yeah. Um, it was not a church service. It was just a gathering where you come to hear a lecture. Um, 
So I conference and it was, yeah, it was really cool. Like I liked her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no problem with women teaching. I have a problem once it becomes an, an area of spiritual authority over men. So like over, over kids, over children, that's fine. Right. Um, over other women, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah. basically the gist of my, and we talked a little bit about that last time. Yeah, that's right. Because there was another internet group that, mm-hmm. or Facebook internet stuff that you were looking at that people were talking about. What headship? That's what it was. Authority yeah. and headship. So yeah, I think this article or tweet or whatever it was has just caused a lot of other conversations gotcha so there's um there's a podcast that i listen to called theology gals mm-hmm. and they also have a facebook group that i'm in and uh i know that they've the the two women that do that podcast have gotten a lot of uh comments not on the Facebook page because the Facebook page is only for women. Um, but I guess like, I don't know, on some other forum, they've gotten comments or emails, um, basically men telling them that they shouldn't be teaching theology because they're not supposed to teach, women aren't supposed to teach men. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm just like... <laughs> You're severely misunderstanding the scripture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it... Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, if you don't mind me stretching this a little bit, it's kind of like the world of Calvinism in general. I feel like there are kind of a, a, a minority of people who are just jerks about it. <laughs> right. Like a minority of complementarians who are just, just like basically infer that women are lesser human beings than men. <laughs> right. And that kind of like ruins the idea that peop- that most people have of complementarianism. Well, that's it's not a- even complementarianism. Right. No, it's not because you don't compliment <laughs> someone who's lesser than you. It's stupid. Um, and and it's the same thing in like the Cal- the world of Calvinism is it's like you have these m- this minority of like hyper Calvinists of of people who are you know like condemn everyone but their sect to hell right. or or they're like. You know, God's got everything under control, so I don't have to do anything. So I'm going to sit at home and watch TV and, you know, the world can go to hell in a handbasket, except it won't because God's not going to let it because he's sovereign and I don't have to do anything. Like, no, that you're, you're dumb. That's not Calvinism. (laughs) (laughs) That's just you being dumb and not reading the scripture. Yeah. Um, so, so that, yeah, that, that just frustrates me. Um, so while I've been sitting here and you've been talking, I'm skimming through. It's actually an ask, ask Pastor John. Okay. Um, is there a place for female professors at seminary? And one of the quotes that he has here. Um, okay, and and this is why I asked if you had read what he actually had to say about it. So this is one of the quotes: "The proper demand on the seminary teacher is to be an embodiment of the pastoral office." So his point is that a seminary should be preparing you for the pastorate and someone teaching at a seminary. So a woman should not be teaching you how to be a pastor is what he's saying. Because but women, not everyone at women, seminary is studying for a pastorate. Right. I mean, th- the seminary is built so that people can become pastors. Yes, but not every class is like specifically how to be a like pastoral ministry 101. Right. Or at that point, it probably wouldn't be 101, but (laughs) you see what I'm getting at. So understanding that, again, I'm just skimming through the article. I'm not reading everything he has to say, but that is his point of view. With With that quote, he's saying 
the seminary staff ought to embody what pastoral ministry is. Okay. So with that I assumption. Still, I disagree. Okay. But I'm saying you can disagree with that, but I understand now his conclusion is so women shouldn't shouldn't be um teaching in seminaries because they can't be pastors. Um th- But the seminary isn't a church. Right, it's not, but okay, but let me ask. Okay, if there is a class on pastoral ministry, do you think a woman should teach it? That a woman should be able to teach men how to be pastors? Well, if she's not a pastor, then no, because there's no... And she ought not to be a pastor. Right. So so therefore, no. Your right. answer would be no. Right. So he's just saying, he's making that assumption of the seminary teachers ought to be pastors, basically. So, so under that, every seminary professor is supposed to be a pastor? Ought to be able to teach you how to be a pastor is, is his assumption. Yes. Oh, well, I guess I agree with that. I disagree with that assumption as well. Right. And yeah, and that's fine that you disagree with that assumption. I'm just saying like that is his, that is his assumption. He's blatant about that. That is his criteria for being a seminary professor. So it makes sense then, therefore, that women should not be seminary professors because they cannot be pastors. So now, now it makes sense. The argument that he's placed, that he's making makes sense. It's not just, oh, women can't teach seminary. He's saying women shouldn't be pastors and therefore should not be training pastors for pastoral ministry. So that makes sense to me. And I, I get that. And to a certain extent, you just said that you agree that women should not teach men how to be pastors. So Right, but, but not every class in seminary is teaching you how to be a pastor. Exactly, exactly. But I'm saying you would agree with him that women ought not to teach men how to be pastors. Right. So you actually both agree. Where you disagree is that... The application you're saying, of it. Right, you're saying not every seminary class is... Excuse me. Not every seminary class is on how to be a pastor. Right. So women can teach those. Whereas he's specifically talking about his assumption is there that every seminary class is teaching you how to be a pastor. I disagree with that. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's fine, but he's been to seminary. Right. I'm just saying it makes more sense. Right. Well, like a woman could teach a class on a women, a woman, a woman, <laughs> a woman can teach a class on like biblical hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, yeah. a person studying to be a pastor would need to take a biblical hermeneutics class. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I mean, th- it, because but that's, that's not, not necessarily not... teaching you how to be a pastor because anyone could take and should, if they can take a biblical hermeneutics course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's not specifically, that is something that every Christian ought to know. Mm-hmm. That's not something that specifically pertains to the pastorate, although it is a criteria right. <laughs> for the pastorate, certainly, <laughs> that you're able to read the scripture and interpret the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I'm just saying it's best to understand people on their terms and not through other people. So, like... Well, I wasn't. I wasn't, like shaming him or anything like that no. i was just saying that the internet world is in a tizzy over this right mm-hmm. yes but the internet world gets in a tizzy over all kinds of non-issues right <laughs> yeah so you just got to be careful especially before you make assumptions about other people and what other people have said because you can take things out of context and often there are there is a lot of context even just like with the whole john piper justification thing there's a lot of context there that that uh, people don't always give grace to allow people to talk for themselves. Anyways, that reminds me of, actually, I was listening to an episode of The Dividing Line today. I'm catching up on a bunch of old episodes that I haven't been listening to. And um, 
It was so good. It was an episode with Dr. Michael Brown. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like the beginning of January. I'll go ahead and link it in the show notes. It's going to be one of my recommendations. Because you hear these two men interact. And they're good friends. And they disagree on a lot of things theologically. But they... It's yeah, just such... Michael Brown's a continuationist, right? Yeah, he's a charismatic. Mm-hmm. Well, He's not a, not not in the sense of like I don't know when someone says charismatic, I automatically go to like like Benny Hinn pops into my head. Mm-hmm. Michael Brown is not like a no, but he's been on Benny Hinn's show. He has, mm-hmm. yeah, to talk about Jewish apologetics. Now he since um, has like not necessarily regretted it, but admitted it probably wasn't the best move. Mm. But he's Dr. Michael Brown, he he will he says himself that he is a charismatic. In the true sense of the word. Not like a crazy rolling on the floor, yelling gibberish. No. Acting like a dog kind of thing. <laughs> no, but not every charismatic <laughs> church has people who act like dogs. That's mm, I, I I don't think that's a common practice. Um, but yeah, anyways, on this episode, just hearing the way that they talk to each other and the grace that they give each other, even though they are very different theologically, um, it was just such a great picture of how to have, um, authentic Christian friendships, even though you disagree on things. Well, it reminds me of like R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur's friendship. Yeah, yeah, they would probably disagree on a handful of things, not quite as much as James White and Michael Brown. Um, cuz cuz the thing with them is that they I mean they're just on um different ends of the spectrum even in like the Calvinist Arminian thing and they're very like strongly in their own camps as well, but they extend grace to each other because they uh, agree on the fundamentals of the faith. Like mm-hmm. they've they've debated each other a number of times on a number of different issues, but they've also debated, they've also teamed up and debated before as well on the same side um, because they're both apologists and they're both, <laughs> they're both <laughs> very, very smart, smart people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean like, uh, yeah, yeah. James White has taught Greek and um, Michael Brown has taught Hebrew, you know, so they just um, super duper smart people. (laughs) Um, But even on the episode that that I was listening to, they were kind of like, uh, I was going to say laughing at, but really that's, um, that was the part that, you know, I enjoyed, but they were, the heart that they showed for the people who just automatically write them off as non-Christian because they associate with people who aren't Calvinists or, you know, just like ridiculous stuff like that. Um, They were, they were even gracious. I think they were extremely gracious for what, you know, was being said about them. Um, And it was just awesome to see because, you know, like our church isn't reformed you know, we have Calvinists and Arminians at our church. You know, obviously, you know, if you if you don't know me in person, our church isn't reformed. I I do AV tech, like my job. I have a full time position at a church, <laughs> doing audio visual work. Um, that's not a very common <laughs> full time position in reformed churches. <laughs> um, so even though I hold like my beliefs. Um, I enjoy being a part of a congregation with people who I know disagree with me on certain things theologically. Like, I think there is a value in having just that Christian brotherly love with people with whom you disagree with, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, yeah, I just really, as I get older, maybe it's just as I know more people, <laughs> Again, I'm I'm just going to pick on them in in the reformed camp, in the calvinistic camp. 
who are just so quick to like write someone off because they said something in a way that could be taken, you know, against what they believe when you take one quote out of context. It just, that, that stuff just annoys me because as Christians, we ought to give, extend each other grace. Mm. Um, I mean, definitely. Yeah. We want to be able to, um, point people back when they are, when they're going the wrong way. But we also, um, James White says, has said on, on a lot of the, the broadcasts that I've been listening to recently is that as Calvinists, you know, we hold to the doctrines of grace. We ought to present the doctrines of grace with grace. Yeah. Like, pulpit and pen. What, we, what was that? What was that? We ought to be people of grace. You know, we know what we've been forgiven of. So we ought to extend that same forgiveness to others. Um, anyways, I thought this, this episode in particular was just a great picture of that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Is that enough small talk? (laughs) You want to get into our topic of the day? Topic du jour. So, yeah, our topic. Our topic. What do you want to talk about? Um. Well, I thought it I thought it would be cool to talk about fasting. Um, mm-hmm. One, because I didn't know really anything about fasting. Um, I The other day I was... I don't know why it popped in my head. Um, Just the thought of fasting in general and how um, I've never really done that before. Okay. And like what it really means, what it looks like. Um, Is it commanded of us? Like I've just never really studied it in scripture or yeah been taught much on it excuse me i keep yawning i'm so sorry um and since the kids have been sick i just thought like oh maybe i should you know like like fast and pray for their healing and like is that something that i should be doing and Anyway, so I uh, I asked about fasting, and actually in the theology girls group that I'm in, I just I asked if it's commanded of us, and you know what what it looks like, basically. Um, and someone commented with a link to some blog posts or a series of blog posts um, on Grace to You. What are they called? Let me look it up. Uh, the heart of Christian fasting, and then there are uh, there are four parts to it. Um, and I read all those, and they were incredibly informative. And I was like, I want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a really interesting topic. I think. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are actually um, the vibe that. Uh, the author of the blog post uh, was giving off was that, or what's his name? Don Green um, was that a lot of people are misinformed mm-hmm. about fasting yeah. in general and um, that spiritual leaders tend to sort of, like guilt people into fasting or like showcase their own fasting to try and get others to. And it's funny. He actually, um, quoted, um, I guess it's a book that some guy wrote about fasting and like, Basically, he wrote a book about a fasting diet, like what you're, you are and what you're not supposed to eat when you're fasting or something like that. Isn't yeah. that counterintuitive? 
<laughs> fasting not eating i know um yeah if i can find it i'll read you what he said but uh anyways um yeah i it, my eyes were just very opened and so i wanted to talk about it did you do any research or you read the articles didn't you mm-hmm. what did you think I agree. I think they were really good. They gave you a nice overview of what scripture says on fasting, which surprisingly is not very much. But I think that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. So like, um, gosh, so they talked about, they talked about fasting in the Old Testament Mm-hmm. And how it was commanded on the Day of Atonement. So you have to right. kind of put yourself into the shoes, and they didn't necessarily say this, but um, you know, I, I, atonement was uh, something that I wrote one of my papers on last semester. So atonement's kind of been on my mind for a little while. <laughs> um, but the Day of Atonement, especially to the Israelite people, you have to think about it as... Um, as a very solemn procession, like we think of atonement as like Jesus' death, and then that leads to Jesus' you know burial and resurrection, and so it has like you know we even use the symbol of the cross as like a the power of Jesus, where to the Romans the cross was a symbol of death, right. to the um, to the Jewish people it was a symbol of curse of being cursed for being hung on a tree. So it's the same deal with atonement where um, in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement was when the Israelite people came before God and basically just confessed all their sins and slaughtered a ton of animals um, for their sins. And as an Israelite person, you were required to actually hold down the lamb as the priest slit its throat so that you know signifying you're transferring your sin to this animal and you actually see the consequence of your sin is the slaughter like the death the blood um so it's not a pretty picture Sheesh. and and this is something that happened every year so i mean sure you, you might have gotten um callous to it but still that's what the day of atonement was so when the Lord commands a fast during the Day of Atonement, you, you kind of get the idea like fasting is not something you do when you're happy or or you just kind of do on a whim. Right, or not just some like, I don't know, spiritual discipline or something, like a ritual sort of. Uh, I mean... <laughs> like a Like a something you do often. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It has a deep and um, <laughs> dumb adjective, a very intense meaning. Like it, it's not, it's not something you just fool around with. Right. Like it's something that happens when you're, yeah, it's very solemn. It's something when you're in distress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's when the Israelites were commanded to fast. Now, Obviously, we're not uh, we're not in the Old Testament. Jesus has come, and so are we commanded to keep that fast? No, not necessarily. I mean, sure, you can if you want to, if but you want to commemorate fulfilled. Jesus' atonement, right? Right. Um, so I don't think we're commanded to fast any longer. However. Um, you do see when Jesus talks about fasting that he does say when you fast. Right. Um, so there is an assumption that Christians would fast. Which that's that's in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just reference so people can look that up. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and one of the things the articles brought up, which is really cool, is that it's sandwiched, or no, it's at the end of uh, Jesus talking about like th- the Sermon on the Mount was not about fasting. Right. He just talks That's about fasting yeah. in the context of being a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, because he mentions 
giving, prayer, and fasting yep. are all done in secret. In secret. They're not broadcast. Exactly. So that you can get praises of men. Yeah. It's between you and God. Yeah. Um, so fasting should not be done publicly. Right. Basically. You know, he says uh, what, like basically wash your face and put oil in your beard or something like that. I don't remember what it is. But basically like don't make it look like you haven't eaten, right. you know? Like, you know, ladies, put on makeup. <laughs> Dudes, I don't know, whatever you do to groom yourself. <laughs> just don't, you know, put gel in your hair, whatever. Uh groom your beard. Yeah. Um don't look disheveled. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, just don't look like you're you know, oh, woe is me. I'm, you know, pious because I'm not eating right now. Um, it's actually, it, it defeats the entire purpose of fasting. Right. Um, so when should you fast? That's the question. So if it's an assumption that Jesus makes about his people, but he never commands it, then when should it happen? So the instances that... Uh, he brings up uh, in the Old Testament were all like in like fasting was a a response because they were seeking God in really distressing circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, for instance, um, uh, he mentions 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, um, 16 through 18 when uh, David fasted and wept for his dying child. Um, yeah. And Esther uh, chapter four, verses 13 and 16, when the Jews fasted, uh, when they were threatened with uh, extermination yeah. at the hands of Haman. Yeah. And then in Jonah chapter three, um, verses six through 10, when Nineveh fasted uh, after Jonah pronounced judgment upon them. And then um, you read in Joel. Chapter 2, verses uh, 12 through 13 says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Um, so... You can see that it was fasting was a response to a very distressing time. It it sort of yeah. came and some something that he mentions too is that it just fasting is something that you naturally do when you're in like a time of great distress and mourning. Yeah. And grief. And grief, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also listened to uh, a program that Paul Washer was on where he talked about fasting and he, um, he referenced the story of Esther as well. Um, and his point was that fasting is generally not scheduled. And like you said, it's in a response to something that happened. So, um, it's not like the Israelite people were planning on, Oh, next Thursday I'm going to fast a meal. You know, it's like, no, they heard by Royal decree that their entire people were going to be wiped out. And so, and then they heard, you know, from Esther, I don't remember if it was Esther who, who told them or if it was Mordecai. Um, I think it was, fast Morde- it was Mordecai. Yeah. So that she would, you know, have favor with the King. Um, and so that was really interesting to me that it's not necessarily. She wrote a letter and Mordecai delivered it. Okay, Isn't there that, you go. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But it, yeah, it was interesting to me because it's not something that you that you plan out most of the time. His 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 point was, it's when the Lord, like, puts something in your way. Like, yeah, I I I don't necessarily like using this terminology, but when he you know lays something on your heart when um when something happens and yeah like like you said it's a natural response Mm -hmm. to something that occurs it's not necessarily a um 
a planned event which which is interesting just because that's different than I was necessarily taught growing up um and I mean even people that I really respect I know they schedule their fasting times and not that there's anything wrong with that um just that it's not necessarily the picture that scripture gives so what I what I mean by that is I don't think any time you want to skip a meal to spend time in prayer and coming before God and reading the word, there is never a bad time to right. do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying is like, there's not, I'm not saying, no, you're fasting wrong because you're scheduling it out every week or two. No, 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 no. I'm not saying but that. But don't I'm be saying, telling people that this is the way they should be doing it. Right. And and like that's not Yeah, that's just not the the picture that the scripture gives of fasting. And also if you're telling people that this is the way they should fast, then you're already in the wrong because you're talking about your fasting and your fasting needs to be in secret. Well, that's that's the next point is that scripture doesn't say what you ought to fast from like the assumption right. is obviously food food yeah but uh and I, I believe i under if i understand correctly the israelite like the hebrew fast is traditionally sun up to sundown that's my understanding um but that's not given in scripture scripture doesn't say w- what a fast ought to be how long it ought to be you know jesus fasted for 40 days Mm -hmm. um and then and then god commanded the israelites to fast for you know the day of atonement so obviously that would be one day day of atonement Mm -hmm. right um so there's not a set amount you can fast for a meal right you can fast for a day and yeah what does that mean does that mean you you only eat at night when the sun goes down maybe um the but the scripture does not specify that. And the interesting thing, I think the the blog post is what brought it out, is that Jesus does on the Sermon on the Mount, directly before talking about fasting, when he talks about prayer, he tells the people how, how to pray, yeah, how, how you to. ought to pray. Mm-hmm. And, and then when fasting, he talks about fasting, he, he's just like, do it in secret. Just don't do it. Like Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't say what it means. Do you drink water? Um, is coffee off limits when you fast? You know, these questions aren't meant to be universally answered. Right. Um, Because if you're doing it in secret, it's between you and God. Right. So between you and God, do you feel like you should, you ought to have that cup of coffee when you fast? Or do you feel like you just ought to be going before God? You know, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, do you need that cup of coffee to to function during the day? Um, There was... Actually, yeah, it was it was the Paul Washer one that I listened to. Uh, one of the questions, there was like a call-in question about um, if you're on medication, does that count? Like <laughs> if you're supposed to be fasting, if you take your medication, should you just rely on the Lord to, to yeah, sustain you? Yeah, you also need to exercise wisdom. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's that argument, well, God's going to take care of you, right? If you're, if you're following him in that way and fasting, then he's going to take care of your body. Um, I think that's the same argument about having as many kids as the Lord gives, but we don't have to go into that. Um, anyways, what he was talking about with, with the thing with the medicine is that you're completely missing the point. If what you're thinking about is the food is what you're ingesting because that's not the focus of what a fast is. The focus of the fast is coming before the Lord because of what is going on in your life, whether it whether it's a sin that you need to kill, that you feel um, you know, wretched over, um, whether it is someone just just died, you know, whether it's a friend who's in a coma, you know, something like that. As soon as the focus shifts from being with the Lord to, man, this sucks. I, I really wish I could eat. Then you're, you're losing it. Mm-hmm. Like the whole point for your fast 
is um, is changed. Now you do let uh, you know a rule of thumb is that you let the hunger pangs lead you to prayer to remind you that the Lord is your sustenance to remind you that you are abstaining from food so that you can come before the Lord. So I'm not saying that if you think about food that you're in the wrong. I'm saying that if all you're thinking about is food and not about what um, what you are fasting for, um, then your fasting is in vain. Yeah. Because it's not about just abstaining from food. This is not the point at all. Right. The point is Christ. So. Amen. Yeah, no, it was... it. It's funny because I've always, and, and I fasted in high school too. That's probably the last time I fasted <laughs> intentionally, you know, because I don't consider skipping meals fasting. Mm-hmm. I've done that plenty of times. Um, it, it was really good to, yeah, to look into it again. And I feel like I just scratched the surface. Like those, that was a really good set of articles. We'll go ahead and link those as well so that you guys can read them to get an overview of, of what fasting is biblically. Um, but I feel like there's a lot more to say about it. I don't know. There, there may be other perspectives out there that I haven't considered, but what I did read was really good. Read and listen to and stuff like that. Yeah, I do. I want to read, um, there are some quotes. One was from, I think it was A.W. Pink. Nice. Yes. Yeah, it's an A.W. Pink quote. Uh, so A.W. Pink says, uh, Private fasting must issue from an urge within and not because it is imposed from without. Private fasting should be spontaneous, the result of our being under a great stress of spirit, and the simple act itself be entirely lost sight of in the engrossing fervor which prompted it. I like that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Man, oh man. What a great vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was another quote from, I don't know who this guy is, John Brodus? Oh, yeah, John Brodus. (laughs) Brodus. Brodog. Okay. (laughs) Um, Calvin Brodus. He said... Fasting is right only when your condition makes it natural. In a time of joy, fasting would be unnatural and could not express a genuine feeling. But persons who are in great distress are naturally inclined to abstain from eating. Fasting can deepen those spiritual impulses toward worship and devout meditation. Yeah, there you go. And one thing that I thought about is that, um, (laughs) you know, in our current context of america we have an overabundance of stuff things yeah and and food Mm -hmm. you know like in america we have a problem with obesity this is a problem that has not plagued mankind for most of its history yeah (laughs) because food has not been as plentiful as it is today besides who, who was it in scripture what the story where oh, oh who that was king yeah oh gosh yeah the <laughs> Benjamite and yeah how he he was left handed and stuck it in his gut and his guts fell out with the bile and the yeah delicious um anyways <laughs> sorry yeah no I'm I'm just saying in our um current context it's difficult to to understand why you would abstain from food when it's like all around you. Um, in, in, in times, you know, okay, let's put it this way. (laughs) The, uh, the image of being depressed is uh, uh, particularly for females is to grab a a pint of ice cream and watch TV, right? (laughs) Like that's what you do when you're depressed, when you're feeling down. Whereas like in previous times you wouldn't have that pint of ice cream, um, your food would be more rationed out yeah and in times of distress like i think of times of famine or times of like your village being attacked or something like that 
you would naturally fast because naturally there was no food. Right. <laughs> and so so fasting came more naturally in those contexts of True, yeah. of um being completely dependent on God. Obviously we are still completely dependent on God, but I'm saying um when you don't know where your next meal is coming from or you just don't have a next meal, right. fasting was a natural thing to do because you didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Whereas we have a choice today and so it's difficult for us to choose not to <laughs> because food is all around us all the time. Yep. And I struggle with that too. I mean, like, don't don't get me wrong. I eat all the time. <laughs> I love eating. Um. But you, I just said, like, put yourself in the shoes of the people who who were hearing these messages. And it's, it's just a little different, a little different than we see things now. Um, the idea of natural fasting kind of comes into view when you're not thinking about, you know, modern day America. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Do you have any more points about fasting that you wanted to hit? No. I think that was it. That's pretty much the extent of my study so far. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like we just scratched the surface, yeah. but um, but it's been good. Like, it, yeah, it's it's funny how little I knew in retrospect, and I'm gonna sneeze. God bless you. Thank you, everyone. Whenever I sneeze now, I hear in my head Ollie's voice. Bless you, Mama. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's a sweet kid. He is Goodness, such baby. a sweet boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, when Josie coughs. Yeah. Goodness, baby. Ah, <laughs> oh, love that kid. Okay, so as you've been talking, um, this this is actually really the the reason I I laughed earlier. Oh, the laugh. The reason that I found it so funny was. This was actually exactly what I was talking about earlier. And I didn't realize it was literally right under my fingertips. Okay. So um, in order to find, you know, the article by John Piper or the Ask Pastor John, um, I typed into Google, John Piper Seminary Professor. That's oh, all I typed in. Okay. okay. So the first one was, is there a place for female professors at seminary by desiring God? Mm -hmm. So obviously that's the one that I, I tapped on. I didn't even look at the other ones. As I scroll down, these are the next few articles. Why John Piper needs help from female seminary professors. <laughs> Why I needed a women seminary professors. Wow. They need to edit that. <laughs> But this one is the one that made me laugh. Like, this is literally the fourth hit from Google. It's called, John Piper is a very bad man <laughs> on complementarity and seminary dot dot dot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What? So. <laughs> this is the kind Wait, of. Wait, who is that by? Who uh, wrote that? Oh, it was, it was an article on Pathios. Pathios is like a religious website. So like basically anyone can is. have a, a blog on Pathios. Oh. You don't even have to be Christian. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so this is the kind of crap that I say is just ridiculous and needs to stop. This is the kind of crap that the internet um, creates just very easily. Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I assume the writer actually believes it. I, I just think it's stupid outrage over. It is It is exactly what I was talking about earlier of someone not extending any grace. Yeah. Um, it's not attempting to understand his point of view. It's not um, saying that this is a Christian brother and this is a leader. This is a man who used to be a pastor um, for a long time, a pastor emeritus and giving him the honor and respect that he is due. This is purely slander. Um, I, I haven't read any of the article. True. I didn't yeah. even tap on it. I'm just saying, like, this is someone who uh, I, I think is blatantly disregarding the scriptures on how you ought to... Oh, um, most definitely, yeah. How you ought to confront someone. A and, brother, and yeah. Not, not that you can't respond publicly, 
But when you title your post, John Piper is a very bad man. Um, it, it just, I, I have no respect for the person who wrote this article. And this is exactly the thing that sometimes Calvinists are pegged at being that just like makes my blood boil because it's just people being dumb and people being and going against scripture. Um, so well, yeah, it's unfortunately the, those people are always the loudest. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Especially on the internets. So oh, anyways, I, I laughed because because on, that's just so ridiculous to me. Like no matter even, okay, to bring a Benny Hinn, you know, I think Benny Hinn is a false teacher. Oh, most okay? definitely. I would not go and write a blog post and title it, Benny Hinn is a very bad man. That's just... I, mm, no, just, I think I've said all, all that there's, there is to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless right now. I just don't want to, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm fed up with this world. <laughs> should go fast about it. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm in distress, in great distress. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, that might be getting... Anyways, no, uh, <laughs> so any recos? Um, I mean, besides reading those articles, um, oh, something that I used, utilized today is the, um, what's it called? The iTunes U app. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. You can go on there and just search different universities or different topics, just whatever you want to learn about. Dang. And are there women teachers on iTunes U? Oh, I'm sure there are. <gasps> but I um I subscribe to a few different lessons. Um uh, most of them from uh What's it called? Westminster Seminary. So there's uh, the ones I was listening to today are on uh, hermeneutics. But I've also subscribed to a course on the Reformation, on apologetics, on Old Testament history, on elements of Greek. Dang. Um. And an introduction to English Puritan theology. So I'm excited to get to some learning. Yeah. With those. That's intense. Yeah, it's just an incredible resource, really. So. I've got a question. Yeah. How are the recordings... So the reason I ask is I've listened to one thing on iTunes U uh-huh. and it sounded like it was recorded on like a pen recorder in the uh-huh, back uh-huh. of the room. It was hard to listen to. You know, it. I don't think it's bad. Okay. I mean, I was listening to it while I was cooking dinner tonight and I could hear it just fine. Okay, good. So, I mean, That's at least... probably the one that I was listening to then. At least that one was fine. Um, yeah. Cool. That is okay. iTunes U. That is yes. Take I some reckon. classes. Also, man, make some homemade ramen. It's so good. Yeah, that's what we had for dinner today. So fast and eat ramen. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, we don't. We're not recommending fasting. <laughs> no, but we will recommend ramen. Homemade ramen is stinking delicious. What about you? Any recos? Um, no. My recommendation was that um, episode of the Dividing Line, which will be in the um, in the show notes, so you can check it out there and listen to. It. I mean, it's pretty long. Uh-huh. He's been on a few episodes lately. Oh, sweet! I noticed there was a 
I'm still catching up. Yesterday, he was on yesterday's too. Nice. That's cool. I just think that's so cool because they're such different people. But they love each other like Christians. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other recommendations. If you like video games, play Dark Souls because those games are awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised Ollie's not... Because they're kind of freaky looking. Yeah, they're dark. (laughs) I mean, the game is called Dark Souls. But he's just like sitting there watching you play it it. like, there's a guy, there's a guy. (laughs) Oh, he fell down. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to explain. I slashed him with my huge sword. (laughs) Like, He watched me, but he's not getting violent or anything like that. Yeah, he just he just loves watching it. Maybe it's because my dude's in like a suit of armor and running around. And I don't know. I don't know. But he's fine with it. Even, yeah, with like freaky monsters. There's not that many in this one, but playing Dark Souls 2, it's awesome. And it gives me such a rush because it's <laughs> difficult. But when I finally overcome the bosses, I'm just like, oh. It it just feels so good. What an accomplishment. Satisfaction. Yeah, thanks. Love you too. <laughs> All right, I'll go listen to iTunes. Jeez. Just joking. Sheesh. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter at so underscore talk to me or uh, hit us up, send us an email. It is, uh, no, uh, is not in there. So talk to me podcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, till next time, go talk to someone, have a conversation. Talk to me. Talking to you. Both of us talking. What? I don't know. I'm tired. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) I feel like this episode was... I don't know. Do you feel like we were weird? I feel like I was weird in this episode. No. I just feel like it went by really fast. Really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I felt like, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm tired, but I just felt like I was talking really slow, like the whole time. Oh, well. Like there were a lot of pauses. Oh, then I have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I do. Sorry. Oh, no. At least you have a couple days, right? I'm going to be up all night. Or are you editing, editing it tonight? <sighs> My bad. I'm just kidding.